I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. A lot has happened in a short amount of time since the Ravens lost in the AFC Championship. We were in the locker room hours after that loss to hear from players and uh, the coaching interviews and whatnot continue as well. So a lot to talk about, Garrett, after that, and we're going to dive into that all here today. Yeah, the dust has kind of settled a little bit from the uh, more raw emotion that we uh, had soon after that game. We did the post-game analysis podcast on Sunday night. And then, yeah, there's a lot that's that's happening. Kind of the, the NFL world turns quickly. And on mm-hmm. Monday, you've got coaches that are going through interviews at this point. Uh, Mike McDonald has gone on second interviews with the Commanders and also interviewing with the Seahawks. Don't know where that's going to ultimately land. Anthony Weaver has also done a second interview with the Commanders. Again, don't know where any of that stuff stands or where that's going to land, but there's interest. Right. And there's a whole bunch of Ravens assistants who have also interviewed nope. or been requested to interview for defensive coordinator opportunities as well. So there's a that's lot great. of interest in this Ravens coaching staff. Uh, then the other news, this piece is confirmed, is that Joe Ortiz, longtime scout personnel man here, is going to be the next general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. Exactly. So... Uh, Let's back up a little bit, and because all this happens a little too fast. It doesn't feel like we should be talking about any of this stuff. And to, for me, you know, there's different stages of, of grieving the Ravens' loss, right? And the first one is kind of shock. And that was Sunday night into Monday morning. Shock, numbness. Then you turn into anger. What the heck happened out there? Right? And now I'm kind of hitting the sadness part of it. Okay. I'm kind of I'm mourning the Ravens seizing and, and because here's where I'm at right now. As I said, following the Ravens win against the Texans, I think this is the best Ravens team in, in franchise history. I, th- I think it was. And to, to miss an opportunity despite being the best team in franchise history, that's a tough, that's a gut punch. Mm-hmm. That's a gut punch right there because to start from the bottom and try to work your way back up to the best ever, that's a high bar, right? And you had an opportunity. And uh, 
I don't know. I just I felt like I need to get that off my chest. Yeah, no, I think it's the the, the disappointment disappointment of this season is real. I mean, I think that a lot of us were saying, myself included, that this felt like it was a team. Everything had come into place. You had this collection of young players who were having breakout seasons. You had these veterans who were having some of the best seasons of their career. You had a great coaching staff who you knew was going to draw interest in the offseason. <laughs> All of this stuff was kind of swirling a little bit during the season but you just felt like things are moving in the right direction that this is the team this has the talent this is the coaching staff this is the year and so for it to not happen it's it's gut-wrenching it is it it really is a killer you know it just feels like it was a real missed opportunity and you know I, i think that like i think that players felt that way coaches felt that way i agree with you i thought this team was incredibly talented it was. It maybe was the best team, the collection of talent, of that we've ever seen here in Baltimore potentially. But you have to get it done when the moment's the brightest, and they weren't able to do that. Yeah. So we're not going to do a full film breakdown today, but that's too painful. That's too painful. I'm still doing it in Ravens Eye View, which is again painful. Um, <laughs> that's why you're so sad right now. That is part of why I'm sad. Uh, but. I do want to talk about two two of the biggest talking points for fans and questions coming out of this game. And and the first uh, that I want to talk about is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously a ton of pundits talking about Lamar and, and his playoff record and whatnot. And from what you saw from Lamar in the game and all the, the commentary around it about him and, you know, does he come up, why he's coming up short in the playoffs? Like, why do you think this has been a stumbling block? I don't know. And what do you make of it moving yeah. forward? I, I don't. I, I still feel really good about Lamar as the Ravens quarterback. He was great this season. He's going to win a second MVP. I think that he's a tremendous player. And I think that a lot of times it's easy, for better or worse, the quarterbacks get the blame and they get the praise. And that's why you, when you talk about a guy like Tom Brady, you know immediately the number of rings that he specifically has mm-hmm. and not necessarily every other player. You don't talk about the, that the same way as you do a, a quarterback, the same way you do a safety. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just different. And so, and until Lamar wins a, a ring or gets to a Super Bowl, that's going to be the knock on him. You know, he hasn't been there and hasn't had some <laughs> of his best games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So specifically to this game, what went wrong... I, it's a little bit hard to put my finger on exactly. I think he was off on some deep throws. He, there was a handful of deep shots that he took that he wasn't able to connect on. Um, I think there were some more opportunities for him to run in certain situations, to tuck and run and try to pick up yards with his feet that he didn't. Um, but I also I don't put it all on him. He, he's not the one who fumbled at the goal line. He's the one who threw the interception, but mm-hmm. there's blame to go around, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I think that there's a number of people, of course, as it, there always is, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, you know, he has responsibilities just like everybody else on the team does. So I, I don't have, like, what went wrong? Why did Lamar not get it done in this game? There's not, like, one thing. I think it's, like, a nuanced conversation about why the Ravens as a whole weren't able to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think clearly Lamar had one of his tougher games of the season, if not the toughest of the season. It wasn't, it wasn't his best game. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, and that happens. I don't put a whole lot of stock into the whole playoff thing. I, I think that the Ravens, you know, we, we talked about it late in the season. The Ravens really hadn't played from behind much all year long. It, same goes for 2019. They had a seven point deficit to the, to the Miami dolphins. When they mm-hmm. went down on their first drive, they had a seven point deficit, to a five-point deficit to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. 
And so they really hadn't been in this position where the other team kind of comes out immediately and just smacks you in the mouth, goes down the field for a touchdown. Yeah. And I do think that that took the Ravens a little bit out of their, their mode and maybe out of the, their game, what they wanted to do in this game. And I think that also applies to Lamar Jackson. And when things aren't going right, then there, I think was a little bit of a snowball effect. Uh huh. Well, they were, they, they, were, they were trying to climb out of a hole from literally the second series of the game. Now, the Ravens did climb out of that hole, and they came back on the third series, their second mm-hmm. possession, and they had that Isaiah Flowers touchdown. And I think we all felt at that time like, okay, nervous energy out of here. It's a tie game. Right. Now let's go to work. And then the defense gave up a long touchdown drive at that point, and all of a sudden the offense is – trailing once again and they're trying to climb out of that hole and then no, quick, they still had plenty of time to oh, do that wait, a ton of time left there's plenty of time to do that it was the first half so it's right. not like it was like you needed to but I, I think i do think that i don't know if this is true but i think that the, i think you were kind of speaking to this like there's got to be a psychological element when you're going up against kansas city you're going up against mahomes and kelsey and andy reed and they go down and you have this great defense and then the chiefs on their very two the first two series go down the field and march for touchdowns. Like Mm -hmm. what does that do psychologically? How does that affect you as a quarterback, Mm -hmm. as a play caller, as a defensive player, as everybody else on this team? I think that there probably is some level of a psychological effect of, okay, we're going to have to score with these guys. It's going to be a shootout. Like this is Mahomes at his best. Yep. I I think the Ravens early on in this game also realized that they were not going to bully the Kansas city chiefs in this game. Like they had bullied many opponents before. The Chiefs came, they, they came out and they were blocking beyond, to the echo of the whistle. Yeah. They were hitting and talking trash to the echo. And it, and it wasn't going to be that kind of game. They came in with a, we're the champions. You, you know, you've been talking and you've been bullying other teams and we're going to come out here and we're going to do our talking and we're going to do our hitting. It was a different, t- there's a different tenor at the beginning of this game. Yeah. There, I mean, honestly, there was a different tenor from before the game even started. Yeah. I and mean, there was some, you know, there kind of a skirmish that needed to be broken up during pregame warmups. We all saw the thing with Kelsey Mahomes and Justin Tucker yep. and the helmet toss and all that stuff. Like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen every game. And you could feel that from before the, the yeah. before the first whistle even happened. And I think that also, plays into the second question that I want to talk about, which is why didn't the Ravens run the ball more, which is a huge question coming out of this game. And I I do think that some of the game circumstances with the way the chiefs went down the field and basically whenever they needed a play offensively, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey made it on the Mm. first two drives and some ridiculous plays. And I feel like the Ravens might've at that point said, we're, we're in a shootout here. We're going to be in a shootout and we're going to need to, we're going to need to score some points and potentially score them fast. If the chiefs are going to, cause what they were doing early on is getting the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly. They were taking what they could get and they were marching down the field and making big plays in big situations. And they milked a lot of time off the clock yep. in those first two drives. So I think the Ravens felt like we got to score and we got to score fast here. We're going to have to hit some plays. Plus you combine that with what the chiefs defense was giving you. The chiefs were basically now they gave, they put out a lot of different defensive formations, but generally speaking, they were putting a lot of men up in the box. They were blitzing about half the time and they were putting their corners on an Island and saying, we dare you to beat us over the top. And the Ravens didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been an area where the Ravens have kind of struggled this year. The Ravens didn't use as many too tight end heavy formations that I would have thought. I think they played into the Chiefs' hands a little bit in that way. They didn't run at those formations of the Chiefs very often at all. Patrick Ricard had his fewest snaps of the year other than the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. And so the Ravens didn't really line up and say, all right, you want to go, you want to go heavy? We're going to run heavy at you and we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, mano y mano here. Didn't really do that. They said, 
all right, this is Lamar's chance to to make those throws and try to hit these big plays and and whatnot, and it just didn't work. Yeah, and they also, in addition to until that, the second half, they started moving the ball in the second well, half. In addition to that, they also tried to work some of the shorter stuff they try to work was like justice hill out of the backfield who had seven mm-hmm. targets in the game or zay flowers on the screen stuff and yep. like none of that was really working like there's a i think justice had one catch for an 11 yard gain and there was just like but that stuff didn't really work that effectively i think like yeah we i've seen all the questions from fans why didn't you run the ball more? You, you look at the stat sheet and you see six carries by the running backs and you see gus edwards who had that 15 yard carry mm-hmm. on that second drive of the game the touchdown drive and then basically doesn't get the ball really the rest of the game you know mm-hmm. two more carries after that and so it's like what's going on here mm-hmm. and so i understand that question i do think the fourth quarter just to kind of break it down a little bit more i think they should have run the ball more in the first half, yeah. I think they when didn't you look at it, it at all, yeah, there's no the run was not established. You also could have run the ball with Lamar. He had that you know 21 yard run. Right. You didn't have many design quarterback. There was not runs. many design quarterback runs. But I think that like when you do look at it, you look at the fourth quarter. You kind of have to throw the fourth quarter out. Zay Flowers fumbled on the goal line of, on the first play of the fourth quarter, and then you get the ball back, and you needed ten points. You needed two scores. You needed ten points at least. You didn't mm-hmm. know if the Chiefs obviously were going to be able to score, but right. you needed to score fast. You didn't have time, and the Chiefs, as they had done at times throughout that game, were able to have these long drives, like a mm-hmm. nine minute drive. So you're like, we got to score quick because if you don't, all of a sudden the Chiefs can take eight, nine minutes off the clock right. and this thing can be over. So you basically throw out the fourth quarter from a running standpoint. Third quarter, you, and then the first three quarters, I think you probably could have run the ball more. I mm-hmm. do think you could have run the ball more. But the, the last point that I would say on that is, you know, like in defense of this, of these, of Todd Munkin and the offensive coaches, like in the play calling there, the Ravens did move the ball in that second half, especially that last drive of the third quarter that turned into the first drive of the fourth quarter, which was the Zay Flowers fumble drive. The next drive was where Lamar threw the interception in the end zone. Like they were moving the ball on those drives Wait, through the air. Them started on a three yard line that drive. Yeah, they're moving the ball through the air, but then they turn the ball over in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Do we feel like we have that off our chest? Do we want to move on here? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm good on that. I mean, I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand all the questions. Um, I think Bryce good. wants to move on. Yeah, we have we do have one email that I thought was a good email uh, yeah. that we could read, and we always appreciate your emails to the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. This one's from Tim Shade, and Tim says, After a loss like today, I try to keep things in perspective. Today's game was devastating, and Zay's fumble is one of those plays that will be burned in our minds forever. But the Ravens flock has been through and overcome worse. The 2011 AFC Championship game is the clear... Get ready, because this is not going to be rosy here. The 2011 AFC Championship game is the clearest example with two of the most backpacking plays in team history, Lee Evans, Billy Condiff, as we all know. You think back to the 2008 AFC Championship, the Palomalu, Palomalu pick six. Is this just, the, is this just reliving the worst yes. memories? 2017, Tyler Boyd, touched, uh, Tyler Boyd touchdown on fourth can, can down. Can you skip ahead Keeps to the positive playoffs. ending here? 2020 AFC Divisional, t- Taron Johnson pick six, steals it for Buffalo. What, he left out a couple yeah snoop fumble on the goal line yeah. anthony uh or anthony jesus antonio brown on the goal mm-hmm. line christmas day yep. pittsburgh keeps us out of the playoffs so there's there's more <laughs> um he says that plus three seasons with major injuries to our qb means the ravens fans have been through a lot the last 15 years 
Agree. All right, here we go. Here's my point. Start spinning Tim positive says. here. Here we go. Tim says, here's my point. Through it all, we're blessed to root for this team. With Ozzy Harbs and EDC at the helm, we compete for championships every single year. With Lamar at QB and a deep, talented defense, we've got the players to go up against any team in the league. The whole city rallied around the team this year, and even though the loss stings, I can't wait to see what's in store for 2024. Yeah, I, I, There look, we go, Tim. There we go. Thank around. You. Yeah, it was an up-and-down email there. I think I do think that that point is legitimate. When you look at Lamar Jackson's career in totality, the Ravens have been in the playoffs every year that he's been healthy. In 2021, before he went down, the Ravens were the number one overall seed in the AFC that year. Then he got hurt, and then mm-hmm. they, they weren't able to, to finish out that year. You know, they were a really good team in 2022. Uh, before he got hurt, and they still ended up making the playoffs that year. So when he's been healthy, they have won the division. They have been a number one seed. They've had a ton of success in the regular season. He's won the MVP once, expected to be twice next week. So yeah. all of that shows that like when with Lamar at quarterback, with John Harbaugh as the head coach, like, they're going to be a good team. With Eric as the yeah. general manager, they're going to be a good team. So I, yeah. I don't think that that's necessarily going to change, even though there's <laughs> lots of questions, and we are going to talk about that in future podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. The foundation is here. And and to the point that there's a, there's a, a track record of success here in Baltimore, and the Ravens are really never out of it. You know, like there's been very few years where the Ravens have been out of it at midway at the midway point. The Ravens have contended for the playoffs and a championship uh, division championship almost every year. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect that to change. You're in pretty a lot of teams would give up what they had and trade the core that they have with the front office and the coaches and, and whatnot and the players, the core group of players for what Baltimore has. Look, Tons of them would yeah, trade. Yeah. You have the MVP. You have the most valuable player in the whole league. Yep. And you have Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton, a lot of great defensive pieces, young up-and-comers. Nobody thought that Justin Matabike was going to have... Few people thought he was going to be what he was this year. Few people... Nobody thought when Clowney and Van Noy were signed that they were going to have seasons like they had. Mm -hmm. It's a tough challenge to do it again, to go hit on all those one-year contracts and all those free agents and all that stuff and all those young players blossom into what, you know, their potential. That's tough, but like... Are the Ravens going to have a lot of that next year? Yeah, I'm pretty confident that they will. Yeah, there's a good tracker that they're able to do that. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about some of the things that we heard from the players in open locker room, and we'll also discuss some of the big news items of this week. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. 
The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. We're coming to you from the SeatGeek studio. We want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the Baltimore Ravens. They've got a limited time offer running right now. You don't want to miss it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code FLOCK. If you are a new user, you can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, the promo code is FLOCK at DraftKings. You need to be at least 21 years or older and physically present in Maryland to play. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. So the Ravens lost one of their longtime personnel people, Joe Ortiz, going to the the Los Angeles Chargers to join Jim Harbaugh out west. Really happy for Joe, friend of the lounge. He's a great friend of the lounge. Great friend of the lounge. I heard that uh, that Joe during his interview with the Chargers, you know, he wanted to hear about what the interview requirements were from a podcast standpoint mm-hmm. in house over there because he said the standard is so high in Baltimore that I'm not leaving unless I feel really good about the media team that's in place. Well, I, I uh, texted Joe and you know to say congrats, of course, and I said that I'm going to have to let the Chargers media stat media department know that they're going to have to continue playing the game. The random name, the random prospect, Kenny name the school and uh, and player. That's going to have to continue. It's a tradition. Yeah, that's true. It's I, uh, you know, before Joe walks out the door here, I think I'm going to have to get. He, he has done it in the past where he writes a name down mm-hmm. and puts it in an envelope, and there's might still be one that's been sitting in my desk for like two years. Yeah. So, you know, he predicts basically <laughs> who you are going to come up with as the names, as so. the, the crazy oh, names, exactly. Draft. Or maybe I'll track him down to the combine and see if he's got anything for us there. But yeah, congratulations to him. I mean, this is a guy that's been here for 25 plus years, had a mm-hmm. lot of success. You know, um, very well respected, and he's in. A great landing spot with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach there. So happy for Joe. I do wonder, you know, as any of these things happen, does he bring scouts with him? Is there any sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think it's like a mass exodus, but would there be anybody that goes with him from here out to LA? Certainly possible. That often happens in these types of moves. Yep, definitely agree. Little little known fact about Joe Ortiz, uh, or at least a lot of fans might not know, he was really instrumental in Joe Flacco becoming a Raven. He was kind of scouting the East Coast at the time, was was one of the primary dudes in that. Ben Grubbs, his, when he first started, was that was one of his picks. He's an Auburn guy uh-huh. himself, so that was a big pick. And, and he's just been massively influential, director of player personnel, along with George Kikinis. So yeah. Let's not forget, like, the Ravens also... As talented as Joe is and and uh, will be, you know, with the Chargers and a great guy, the Ravens have a lot of talented scouts and personnel people still in this building. George Kikinis is one. David Blackburn. You can go on and on and on. I don't want to start naming names because you leave people out. But um, really happy for Joe, but also confident that the Ravens have a pipeline of evaluators that they will still be in, in very good, uh, you know, position with. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And then obviously on the coaching side, again, as it stands right now, Mike McDonald's done a second interview with the commanders, has interviewed with the Seahawks. 
We'll see where that lands. Ben Johnson, who the Lions offensive coordinator, who a lot of people thought was going to get one of these jobs. Yep. You know, he was probably at the start of this thing, maybe the hottest name uh, on the assistant coaching front. Now he has decided to go back to Detroit. So, you know, it, it seems like Mike could certainly end up getting one of those jobs. It certainly um, increases the chances of Mike leaving. Yeah, it, it removed a very quality candidate from the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anthony Weaver is a really quality candidate as well, uh, who's done multiple interviews with the commander. <laughs> so I don't know where that will land. If they were to leave, I, I'm sure they would they would also potentially bring coaches with them and the Ravens would have to replace them on this staff. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll save a lot of that conversation for if that does happen. Yeah. Um, but I think that just from a big picture standpoint, the league is looking what, at what the Ravens are doing. John Harbaugh talked this year about how great the coaching staff was. We did many times. I thought it was a tremendous coaching staff on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. The league has taken notice, and they want some of the action. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we can speak to a little bit is if Mike does leave, I think a lot of Ravens fans want to know, well, who would the Ravens defensive coordinator be? Some of the logical in-house candidates I think the Ravens would have. Anthony Weaver, obviously, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, would be one of those candidates. You have Denard Wilson, who came over from the Eagles last year, spent one year coaching the Ravens secondary and is held in very high regard. Chris Hewitt, another Ravens coach in their secondary, has, you know, also been an excellent coach for a long time. So there are in-house Zachary Orr is taking a, a defensive coordinator interview in Green Bay, reportedly. Yeah. He would be another candidate. So I think there's some great in-house candidates. And that's generally how the Ravens have operated from a defensive standpoint is it's kind of been, there's been a pipeline. Mike McDonald was in it before he went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would think that those guys would certainly get consideration. And, you know, I like that they all worked closely with Mike. And, and I think that they, the Ravens would be in a good position to continue the great thing they've they've had on defense. Yeah, look, the Ravens have done a great job. And with, while John Harbour's been here, I think of generally hiring coaches and also having great defenses. Yeah. I mean, like when Mike was hired, you know, I think we had a lot of confidence in Mike, but it's not like everyone was lauding him. It's like, this was the home run hire, and this guy's going to be a hot name mm-hmm. on the head coaching circuit in two years. That was not the conversation at the time. Yep. It was like, this is a guy who's one-year coordinator at Michigan, young hire, and you're moving on from Wink Martindale. Is this the right move? All that stuff, yep. you know? So I have a ton of confidence in John Harbaugh's ability um, to, to hire really good coaches, and this defense in Baltimore has been great for forever, and I think it will continue to be great. Yep. Um, but... All of that said, maybe Mike ends up back here, and I would love that as well. That'd be so, great. So, um, you know, we'll see where that lands. The last point is, um, you know, just we did talk to players on Monday as they cleaned out their lockers, which is always a somber day. They got the big giant trash bags, throwing mm-hmm. everything in there. It's it's a depressing day. Okay, um, you know, I think that the takeaway from me and hearing from players. I do believe, like we said at the outset, that they felt like there was unfinished business and it was a missed opportunity knowing how great this team was. 100%. Everybody knows that. And I also do feel like, you know, for the young players in particular, um, Kyle Hamilton being the one that stands out, that they feel really good about the core that is in place here. Yeah, definitely. That was also notable, you know, and, and again, not a surprise, just how many players had Lamar's back mm-hmm. and, and saying, you know, when when you have Lamar Jackson, you feel good about your future. As long as we got that guy, we're going to be good. Yeah. And I share in that belief, uh, you know, countless players talking about that. The other one is you always want to hear from the, the free agents, the pending free agents and, and what they have to say. You know, Patrick Queen 
I think it's pretty clear and he made it pretty clear. He's, you know, I would love to be back, but I got to do what's best for me and for my family. And I certainly think that he's going to get a big contract offer from somebody. Eric Tacasa told us on this, this very podcast that he wanted to, wants to extend Patrick Queen. He said that in May. Well, I have to imagine the price has gone up since then. Yeah. Go to a Pro Bowl. So can the Ravens still afford it at the new price? I don't know about that. We'll, we'll have to see. I think Patrick Queen would certainly listen, but uh, he's going to he's gonna get what he can get. Yeah, totally. And, and, and don't blame him. Yeah, and then for the veteran players like Kyle Van Noy, Jadavion Clowney, I think that, I mean, those are guys that signed late. Yeah. So the vibe I got in talking to them is that, like, that could be, they, they might go through a similar process. Yeah. That, I don't think that they're, like, necessary looking to get a deal done before free agency opens in March. Uh, yeah, I think I think Clowney legitimately would really like to be back. I think mm-hmm. it was a good fit for him here. I think he really liked playing here. Um, I, I also, Kevin Zeitler, if you're talking about guys who definitely want to be back, yeah. he made it pretty darn clear. He's like, let's go sit down right now and hammer, <laughs> just get this done. Uh-huh. Uh, that was pretty darn clear. And then the other, another big one that we talked to was Geno Stone. You know, I think Geno is in a, in a difficult situation because with Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton in place here, he's, you know, you'd be not be a full-time starter here. He played a key role still, but not a full-time starter after leading the AFC in interceptions. You would think that he's looking to become a starter somewhere. If somebody, if the rest of the league sees it as a breakout season that I see it as, and Geno Stone sees it as, and is ready to pay him and make him their starter, make him their guy, I would think Geno Stone would take that opportunity. Yeah, and I also think that uh, he made the point, it's like, I kind of want to see what my market value is. Yeah, I think he's going to see, exactly, like, how much res- the, the seven interceptions didn't earn him a pro bowl. Is it going to earn a big contract from another team or, or right. what size contract? What kind of deal does that earn him? You know, and it goes beyond the interceptions. He's just a good player all around. Yep. But like, does the league view that as kind of fluky or do they say, nah, they, this guy's got it. Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Yeah. He's proven that he can be a starter. And I, I, I'm also curious to see what his, yeah. his market value is. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think, think everybody is kind of curious. It's, it's really hard for me to peg that one down. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, it's a little bit of a different situation compared to like a Patrick queen who you, you feel like is, you know, definitely going to get kind of top market value right. for a linebacker. So and we did not hear from Justin Matabike. He would be the Ravens other really big free agent. I, I feel like just gut feeling like, that's a guy the Ravens are going to pursue pretty hard aggressively to sign to a contract extension. We'll see if they can make it happen. Yeah, so we'll talk all about a lot of this next week. We're going to kind of go through our our blueprint of what this offense or what this offseason could look like and discuss some of these questions in more detail. And as we've already seen in the 48 hours since the season ended, there's a lot of news happening. So that will likely continue over the course of the next week or two. Uh, we have guys out at the Pro Bowl. The NFL Honors are next week. Where Senior Bowl is going on as we speak. Senior Bowl is going on as we speak. NFL Honors are next week uh, where Lamar Jackson will likely get a second MVP. And then there's a game on Sunday, but I, I don't know what game you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I'm probably going to skip that. Yeah. And no, don't don't worry no. about watching that. I don't know what game you're even referring to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be the uh, the wiffle ball game and I'm watching in the parks during that <laughs> middle of the day. Uh, but as always, we appreciate your emails. Send us uh, a note at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net and uh, we're going to be back with you next week. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.